Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss X-Men Annual 12! Yay! Published in 1988. Uh, on sale date of June 14th of 1988. Cover price of $1.75. 64-page count. Do you know whose birthday is on June 14th? Uh, yours? Boy George's and mine. <laughs> um, and so 1988, I guess when this issue hit the newsstands, I would have been 12 years old. Did you pick it up? I Not on my birthday that I recall, but I did buy this. Mm. Um, mostly because I was super excited about the promise of uh, X-Babies. On the cover, it says guest starring the X-Babies, and you see a little bit of Mojo and and the X-Babies, you know, back from X-Men Annual number 10. True that. And, uh, uh, and then, you know, the majority of the cover here, you've got the high evolutionary, a guy I don't think we've ever seen in the pages of the X-Men. Nope. And the X-Men, all bursting out of a, I don't know, a mechanical teleporting sphere. Not only that, but there's some tiny X-Men underneath that guy. Under what guy? The guy that who's, well, Terminus. Oh, yeah, you're right. There's, wow, there's X-Men all over the place. You got teleporting X-Men, you got X-Men under this big dude's foot, which seems, uh, I, I think that's the high evolutionary there, too, next to Storm and Colossus. Yep. It seems like a weird thing to put in there. Like, uh, this is an Art Adams cover, so it, did Art Adams draw like three different things and then just smash them all together? I I guess. I mean, I'm, I imagine he drew the middle first, but it, who knows? It just seems unnecessary to have the little tiny X-Men underneath this dude's big foot. Well, it's just showing you how big this guy is. Whoa! You know, that's fair, but yeah, okay. The scale is never an issue in this because you have little X-Men kind of bursting out of the center of the cover, and then you have a um, high evolutionary who's... I don't know, eight, ten times their size, and then this big other robot next to him. So, does Psylocke's outfit remind you of Magneto? Yes. When Art Adams draws it, has it reminded you of Magneto before? Now that you mention it, it reminds me of Magneto. I, I don't think it has before, but I never really paid close attention. It'll be interesting to. Uh, see her again in the pages of uncanny x-men i don't think it ever did before but in this issue particularly it did remind me of magneto all the time um yeah i also have to say so it's an art adams issue and uh i feel like he might have been under pressure or maybe he was uh asked to do more pages than he's used to doing because um it's not it's not great it's not great art adams just sad just sad it's sad art adams I don't know. Arts Adams? It's sad that it's not good Art Adams artwork. It is frequently good at Art Adams artwork. Um, I disagree. I, <laughs> I disagree. And maybe uh, he didn't get any help from Bob Wiasek as inker, but I feel like he's a competent inker. So it, to me, it just feels like this is not up to the Art Adams standards of uh, annuals past. And I don't know why. He draws a really good high evolutionary, I'll say that. Sure, and and when we get to the things that are good, I'll point them out, but like, there's a lot of things that just 
I don't know. Don't work for me. I th- I think there's more good than bad, but yeah, I, I I I guess I see what you're saying that there's there's it's not as it's not as Art Adamsy as before. Right. I don't know. And I don't feel like it's an uh, an evolutionary pun not intended. An evolutionary step forward for Art Adams. I just feel like some Saturday he's like, "Oh crap, I got to finish this 58-page annual." <laughs> and just started drawing like crazy. I mean, it's not bad work. Art Adams can never turn in bad artwork. It's just, to me, it's like not, you know, I feel like it was an off month for him is all. Uh, the cover itself, I mean, the cover is fine. Um, nothing, it's this is busy, a lot of stuff going on, but I guess that's kind of par for the course with most annuals. A t-shirt test? No, God, no. Really? Maybe, maybe if you if you were to blank out everything but the X-Men coming through that portal then yes. You wouldn't You wouldn't want to keep Terminus in the uh, high evolutionary? I don't know. It's too busy. If you make that whole thing just like, like a black t-shirt or even a white t-shirt with this bursting out of your uh, your chest, then, then I think you got something. I think you keep the X-Men logo and the evolutionary war subtitle. Yeah, sure. That works. Um... All right, Evolutionary War. Uh, and, and I guess for the sake of the reader, this is this is like part seven of the Evolutionary War or something like that. Yeah, we'll cover more or less the rest of the Evolutionary War after this. Um, <laughs> it'll go by very quickly. That I can promise you. I forgot to mention, this one's titled Resurrection. Woo. I slipped up. <laughs> I'm off my game. And it's provided. It's brought to you by Chris Claremont, Art Adams, Bob Wiasek, already mentioned, Glennis Oliver is the colors, Tom Borzakowski is the letter, Bob Harris is the editor, and Tom DeFalco is the chief. And uh, we open up this issue, and Storm is crazy freaked out, just flying super fast, lightning and thunder, and just zooming through the town, causing all sorts of wind. But Gateway's there. He don't care. He's just like, whatever. <laughs> there she goes again. <laughs> Crazy mutants. Long shot. He's like, what's going on? And uh, he gets swept up by a gale of wind because as Dazzler points out, long shot, the wind, the hurricane, his hollow boned body couldn't stand against it. It's sweeping him away. So he's basically a kite right now. So two things about this panel. One, um... Longshot emerges in his underwear. Yeah, oh yeah, in his tidy whities And Allison Dazzler emerges from the same room wearing nothing but her panties. Oh. And um, Longshot's jacket. You know, so, I, I never made that uh, connection before. But if you look in the background of Longshot and his tidy whities it appears as though there's a leather jacket on the floor. So I, I imagine that Dazzler, like, he gets swept away. Dazzler comes running up and grabs the jacket on her way. Like, I think this is Longshot's jacket, isn't it? That she's wearing? Yeah, it is. Oh, so they were... And uh, that's, that's what I was getting at, is like, is there some sort of hanky-panky going on here? I think so, Adam. But, and and <clears throat> that becomes, uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens between Dazzler and Longshot, and a little bit with Rogue throughout this issue, that somehow, somewhat bleeds over, I feel like, into the pages of the Uncanny X-Men. But I never, I don't think the pages of the Uncanny X-Men ever had Dazzler and Longshot, like, hooking up. But I, I, I don't, yeah. I think that's, yeah. They they just got done. 
Well, or they're just like, I don't know, in in a in a PG sense, they could just be like in adjoining in the same room, <laughs> bunk beds. <laughs> no, they're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she uh, she comes up with a plan. Like, how is she going to get up there? Because you know, from that distance, his luck can't even follow him, and he'll fall to the ground and die. So she creates a solid photon beam that propels her into the air. And she says, heads up in the sky, cutie, ain't no bird, ain't no plane. And Longshot responds, it's Dazzler. Ha! Ha! <laughs> you don't run out on me that easily, fella. So, so yeah, they were either kissing or talking or getting ready because, you know, I don't know. Unless they just like hanging out in their underwear together, which is possible. Yeah, you know, it's not. It wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't be beyond the X Men for them to be hanging out in their underwear together. It's like a thing that they do, right? And, and the reason I never connected that is because uh, so Dazzler kind of repeats the same thing in reverse to slow their fall. She does like pulse photon light beams. They land uh, on the ground. Dazzler lands on top of Longshot, and and he's like, uh, um, "Hey." I thought saving people was my job. That's true, but since every girl you've rescued has fallen head over heels for you, I figured I'd give the role a try and see if I'd get just as lucky. So to me, like that's the su- the, the seduction right there. Like, yeah, I just want to, uh, I don't know. So, well, if, you know. If, I, they, if they had already been in the throes of passion... Uh, I don't think that there would be any need for this seductive panel here of her being like, I just wanted to see if I'd get as lucky. Why? You think they're like, they're just done. And so she's done with them. They're flirting. Come on, man. Hmm. They they could still be flirting afterwards. Like, you know, it's not just like shutting down now. Well, have finished with the coitus. <laughs> Of course, I agree with that. But he, she says, uh, that's true. But since every girl you've rescued has fallen head over heels for you, I mean, hasn't isn't it already established? I mean, if they're uh, if they are getting busy, uh, that she has already fallen head over heels for him, and probably vice versa. I think they were just making out, uh-huh. and Longshot is kind of not really. Uh, you know, he's into it, but he's, he doesn't really fully understand it. I could buy that. I could totally buy that. And I think, you know, Dazzler, Dazzler's into Longshot, but at the same time, she knows that he's kind of an alien and she's not fully committed to him. She just thinks he's a really nice hunk of a dude. So she's hanging out with him. And, you know, uh, Longshot kind of doesn't really know what's going on, but he's really enjoying the ride and he likes Allison and... That, that, that's what I'm going with. Okay. I buy that. I buy all that. Rogue goes after Storm. Um, she's, yeah. She's not nearly as fast as Storm, though, because Storm, Storm lit out like a, like a bat out of hell. Which is, I don't know, which is weird because in most, um, most things that are related to Storm's powers, it's usually established that she she can ride on the winds, um, but that that doesn't really move her all that fast. Like they explain it with a um, Wolverine, I think says yeah. she's generating her own high altitude jet stream, which you know, again, going back to how we've established that uh, Storm's powers work, essentially she's being tossed about by 
wind that she is generating at such, such high speeds. It's got to be a really delicate balance, but right. you know, neat, I guess. Yeah, whatever. So she's going super fast. Rogue can't keep up with her. She's in uh, uh, psychic rapport with Madeline, who's relaying everything back to the team. Psylocke, because Madeline does not. Oh, that's Madeline I... is not a telepath. That's right. Psylocke's doing all that, but Madeline is in the computer room with no uh, nothing wrong with her, and uh, the computer screen's not smashed, and there's not blood all over the floor. Well, they fixed it. <laughs> so this either took place before the brood attack, or she cleaned up everything and fixed the screen and didn't tell the X Men, or or not. Well, this there there is a reason that this takes place after the brood storyline, which we'll get to eventually. Yeah, yeah. I this does yes totally takes place after the brood thing, but uh, but yeah. So Madeline's okay. She's cool. Maybe her evil demonic side that we kind of saw cleaned everything up and she doesn't remember any of it because I don't believe it's mentioned for a while in uncanny what happened. So I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out when we get there, but for now we just don't know what happened. Sure. Havoc comes in. Hey guys, it's pretty hairy outside. Going to be a beaut of a storm. At first I thought that was like, who's this lady? Is that Dazzler? (laughs) Yeah. I feel bad for Havok. Like when I was younger, I always thought he was a cool character, but now as I reread him as an adult, like he's it doesn't he just whines a lot and doesn't really do much. I think he becomes cool once that Wolverine and Havoc meltdown thing happens, which I've never read, so I'll, I'll be looking I've never read it either, but I it was always one of those things that I would see at the comic shop or at the on, on the comic rack of whatever store I was in, and I was like, "Wow, that is so cool." Yeah. But not cool enough for me to buy. <laughs> well, it was like five dollars or something. I mean, yeah, and it, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, so yeah, they're tracking Storm. Um, I don't know. She's not responding to Betsy uh, with her psi powers. Um, so they rely on Madeline to punch up a holographic display. I don't. I don't know how they're tracking her. They somehow. This equipment must be able to track them. Look at the drawing of Wolverine. It's terrible. Okay, here's the thing. Wolverine, I I feel like Art Adams is trying something different with Wolverine. And there is not a single good picture in this issue of Wolverine's face. The way that he has... When he puts on the mask, he's fine. But his (laughs) face, when he has has the mask off, it never looks good. And the way he's lit, like he's got a white border around his hair to separate him from the shadows of the backdrop, but the rest of him isn't illuminated that way. It looks like his head is a sticker. <laughs> Just like yeah, kind of does pasted onto somebody else's body. And Boop. maybe that's what it was. Maybe Colossus was doing all this exposition. And uh, Chris Claremont's like, no, 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 you messed up. <laughs> Put this Wolverine sticker on. Uh, it's weird. Madeline looks fine. Madeline looks Put the good. stogie sticker on into his hand. So anyways, yeah, they track uh, her and uh, the Wolverine is able, Wolverine and Colossus deduce that she's going to the Savage Land. In that panel, he's even got one weird beefy Popeye hand. That <laughs> yes, he does. It's, it's, it's 
the it's it's a fist that is against his thigh but it doesn't look like a fist it just looks like part of his arm that's going behind his back it looks like an elephant foot pushing up against <laughs> his uh his his uh waist that's bad it's very strange See, and so this, yeah this is, savage land these are the things that i'm talking about and he's also trying something new with colossus that i don't like either I didn't really just like what. What is this different about Colossus? I don't. I I don't know. Like the sunken in cheek, uh, and then the the protruding neck muscles. Mm. It's it's weird. It's different. It's just not. It's not really working for me. Oh well. It's he does a good gateway. I'll give him that. <laughs> Speaking of gateway, the X Men dress up in their winter clothes and head up to Gateway. Uh, they, I guess they sent Rogue to continue following Storm so that she'll have backup when she gets to the Savage Land. And Gateway sends the team off to the Savage Land. Yep. Bye, Gateway. Hope you won't be too lonely. Ha! <laughs> Till we get back. Gateway says, mm. Mysterious. He even has armpit hair. Oh, yeah. Gateway has found himself such Gateway has found himself touched by their passing even though he doesn't look like it. So we teleport ourselves to the Savage Land which looks like a moon crater and Wolverine's like what the flame in the Savage Land it's gone. He's got crazy eyebrows. <laughs> oh my god. He looks Again, like he looks his like his face never once good. He looks like uh, Walter Matthau from the Bad News Bears. I don't know why, but he just does. Something about those crazy eyebrows and the wide face that they're drawing him with. I've never seen Bad News Bears. Oh my gosh, what's wrong? No, it's you? about it's about baseball, right? Yeah, well, but I mean, it's not just about baseball. It's about these foul-mouthed kids and their drunkard co- coach. Is Jack Lemmon in it? I uh, no, Jack Lemmon is well, not then, in it. Then what's the point? Ah, oh, it's a good movie. I mean, it's 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 a it's a product of its time, so it has like um, cringe-worthy racism that at the time wasn't, but always was, of course. Um, <laughs> but but stuff like if if somebody were to put it in a movie today, they would be run out of Hollywood. <laughs> mm. I mean, it's not like over the top. It's uh, one kid uses the N word, but I mean, like that would never happen in like even a post '90s film. I don't think. You're not selling me on this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the reason to see the movie. It's a good movie. It's it's, it's a good movie. There's there's all sorts of crazy. Like this crazy scene where uh, Walter Matthau, he's he all throughout the movie, he's just drinking beer. He's a drunk former baseball player that they've brought in to get this little league team to like win the pennant or something like that, uh, because the the rich guy's son is on the team or something like that. Uh, and there's this one scene where they're driving, uh, they're, they're in, I think they're in California. He's driving his, um, uh, convertible, giant convertible Cadillac car down the highway. And there's like 12 kids in the back. Like none of them are buckled. And he's like tossing beer cans out the side of the car. It's, it's just a crazy, it's a crazy movie. Lots of, lots of hijinks and antics occurring. <laughs> I just, it's good. You should watch it. It's classic. Yeah. Um, I'll just go watch Goonies. There's plenty of hijinks in that. <laughs> this is this is different different hijinks. <laughs> but okay, to each their own. It's classic. I'm just just telling you. I'm not sure why the X Men knew to put on their winter clothes. 
when they're going to the savage land. Well, I guess part of it is part of it has always been snowy because it's in Antarctica. I don't so. know. The savage land confuses me because I I think most of the time you need to go through a cave or something within Antarctica and then you pop out the other side into tropical savage land, but but you're right. Here they're just teleporting directly to the savage land, so they should expect it to be hot. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't know. I, I'm confused by why they decided to put on winter clothes, but I guess I guess they're in a portion that they expect should be winterized. Yeah, Havoc even says, this used to be a prehistoric jungle. Dazzler says, well, it's an icebox now. Could you hold me, Longshot? I feel cold, like I'm in a giant graveyard. <laughs> Chances are, Daz, you're probably right. And this is a decent picture of Wolverine's face. I think it's... because it's... His eyes are closed and it's partially covered. Yeah, 75% of his face is obstructed, so, yeah. Uh, yep, and he, he does say that uh, uh, this is the fall people, friends of ours. I don't, there's no um, little narration box to tell us when they were in the Savage Land, but, I don't know, listeners of the Danger Room know. Yes, episode... <laughs> <laughs> yes. One thirty. <laughs> I don't know. All the stuff that is referenced in this issue as things that have happened before happened in classic X-Men. So I don't remember when we did those, but we did them around the times of like the issue 93 or something, right? And we started doing them when when X-Men became got rebooted. Isn't that when classic started? Yes. I can't remember. Yes. So, so maybe we shouldn't have done them back then. Maybe we should have waited until now that so they were published chronologically with the time they were actually published. Maybe a lot of the stuff that happens in this would make more sense, but <laughs> we'll remind you. Uh, yeah. The trick with classic X-Men is some of the stuff took place like between issues back then, and then some of it was modern stuff. Yeah. But none of it matters. <laughs> Well, it matters to this annual. I'm gonna. Well, this annual doesn't matter either. <laughs> I'm going to go on record as saying that. Anyways, Wolverine finds a little bone and asks Long, Longshot to use his uh, psycho, psych, psychometric powers to read the history, asking Psylocke to protect him from psychic backlash. And uh, we see that the dinosaurs went crazy or, I don't know, there was a stampede heading towards the village, and then a giant destroyed everything. And then fire, everything was on fire. And then we get a terrible picture of Colossus going, no, no. And he refers to Nereel, who is the uh, Savage Land woman that he hooked up with in Classic X-Men. Okay. Yeah, maybe you're right, because everything that they reference here, uh, I, I would have assumed came out of normal issues. That... Uh, that episode of Colossus and Nereal, um would have been uh, only a few months ago. And I, I have no idea when this this uh, annual is in relation to the stuff that we just did. But uh, so we're on what? We just did two something or other. So it would have been maybe two something or other minus five <laughs> that this that this classic X-Men took place. So the issue, the the story with Nereal took place four or five issues ago? No, took place... Way back when. The, the classic X-Men that featured that story was published around ah. the same time 
as 229. Gotcha. Okay. Ish. It doesn't matter. No, it really doesn't. That's why they shouldn't have done Classic X-Men, because now it makes things 30 years later more difficult to track down. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah. I don't know. They're they're talking. They're trying to figure out what's happening. Like, how could this have happened? Um, uh, that's when the ground starts shaking, and they wonder if it's an attack. And uh, that's when we turn our attention to the high evolutionary. Yeah, Wolverine, for some reason, wants, I guess he thinks that there possibly might still be some people alive. So he has Psylocke put out a psychic psi scan. And uh, yes, cutting back to the high evolutionary. And man, Art Adams draws a solid high evolutionary. Eh, it's not bad. I think it's competent. I don't think it's solid. It's good. Yeah. I like it. It doesn't blow me away. But then again, I don't think the high evolutionary himself blows me away. So, well, you haven't been reading twelve of these ev- evolutionary war issues. Yeah, I, I have not. <laughs> so he shows up, uh, and he's he's like, "Oh my gosh, there's a there's a little plant in all of this destruction." And I guess this took place not that far away and not very long ago. So prior to the X Men showing up, this happens. And supposedly that rumbling that they hear is what happens in the next panel where um, a – well, first two giant hands appear around the high evolutionary and then slam shut on him, somehow not killing him. And then Terminus rises out of the ground holding the high evolutionary and wielding a mighty staff. This is a solid picture of Terminus. I guess. I like it. I'm in. Ter- Termin- I guess, uh, yeah, I'm in. Ter- he looks like Terminus, that's for sure. Uh, I'm not a Terminus. I don't know anything about Terminus. It- he must be like Avengers or something. So Terminus first appeared in Fantastic Four number 270. Okay. Um, in the John Byrne run. And he was stopped by, I think they sent him into the center of the earth or the, the earth's core or something. And they were like, he'll be back eventually. But for now, he stopped. And then he appeared uh, two years later in Avengers number 257, where he bursts out into the Savage Land and the Avengers defeat him. Uh, but I think that's where the Savage Land turns all wintry. So the whole thing becomes wintry because Terminus somehow turns off the heat in the Savage Land. Okay. Which we eventually learn was controlled by aliens that populated the Earth. Anyway, um, they stop Terminus by discovering that the alien that is inside of Terminus, who you can't see in this because he's got a dome head instead of what usually he would have his face in that dome. Uh, it turns out that the alien controlling Terminus is just that face with a tiny little body. And outside of Terminus, he's super weak. So I think they kill him. Wow. I mean, not on purpose. That's horrible. <laughs> you know, uh, speaking of big heads and little bodies, uh, I, I I think that they should try to, to make a awesome CGI MODOK and throw him into an Avengers movie. They might eventually. I think that that would be cool. I think that they could. I think they have enough uh, entertainment capital behind them that they could pull it off. Isn't wasn't Modok the the person who ends up 
Modok is a machine, right? Modok is the big head with the tiny legs and tiny arms that like floats around on like a chair. Okay, who's the one with the the face in the middle of his body? That's Modok. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's like a giant okay. head with arms and legs. Because uh, and... in 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 Captain America, I think it was the second one, which was what Winter Soldier. Yeah, when they end up in the bunker, there's that head inside of a TV screen. Mm. And I feel like that was an allusion to Modok, and be. it might have been the similar character name, but I can't I can't remember right. my. Not up on my Marvel lore. So, anyways, yeah, this guy he bursts out of the sky or about bursts out of the ground. He's got the high evolutionary in his hand, and Dazzler shoots him. A beam of solid light. Are the natives of this pathetic planet still determined to match their beauty might against me? She's pumping every photon she can through the beam, and it's not doing anything. And uh, uh, Terminus fires back. And Colossus blocks, I guess, everybody. Yeah, he takes he takes the shot. Uh, Havoc, though, apparently is unaffected by any sort of uh, uh, splash damage, if you will, because he's standing. Recall, he's standing right next to Havoc, who takes this blast. Uh, he's unaffected, and he shoots back with his plasma beams. Terminus's beams are very pinpointed, so they don't have any kind of. Uh, Side effects, they just, they hit, the, they hit their target. That's all they're supposed to do. Psylocke tries to mind shock him, but he has a psi shield built into the armor, reflecting the attack back on her. So she falls over. Longshot has an idea, and he throws uh, some sort of hook on a rope around Terminus's staff. Terminus pulls him up into the air, and he grabs Wolverine, who says, You're not, Ed, what are you doing? Why'd you grab me? He's blowing those bulls in the air. And Long said, Longshot says, that's that's sort of my plan. This way we get to take the fight to him. And he throws a couple of flechettes at him, uh, Terminus, and he throws Wolverine as well, apparently. Wolverine understands what's happening, uh, and Terminus says, ah, oh, your stupid blades don't do anything against my armor. Wolverine's like, but mine do. And he claws his way onto his body. I'm not exactly sure where he is on his body, probably his stomach, uh, and claws his way down, but apparently Terminus can heal uh, just as fast as Wolverine can make the cuts. And Wolverine responds by saying, grrr. Grrr. Rogue shows up uh, as Terminus threatens to kill them all and whisks Longshot, Wolverine, and the High Evolutionary out of the way. So apparently Storm must have stopped at some point to rest and Rogue caught up to her. I guess. And that's when the uh, the planetary atmosphere attacks Terminus. What transpires here? And it's Storm. And an avalanche falls on Terminus. And he is out for the count. Being blown off his feet into the cliff wall. Yarg. Baraboom. And... He's taken care of. And that's it. That's the it. That's it for this issue. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the high evolutionary is now hanging out with the X-Men. And they're really hanging out. Like, you're not kidding. Like, everybody is in a cool, like, hangout pose. You're like, hey, high evolutionary, you come here often? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're definitely, like, right before or right after a photo shoot pose. <laughs> um, 
Rogue knows enough about the High Evolutionary to be like, hey, it's been a while. We heard you were dead. Everybody knows everybody. Yep. Wolverine lights up a cigar and Dazzler thinks to herself, oh, Wolverine, have mercy. Not again with those cigars. Another common theme throughout the issue. So the the High Evolutionary, and I only know this by reading the the back end of the High the Evolutionary War stories where they summarize all of the evolutionary's life up until this point. Um, he, he tried he convinced the Hulk to kill him. Basically he committed suicide by convincing the Hulk to kill him. And that's the last time we saw the evolutionary, but he survived that. Okay. Wolverine doesn't trust him. Says uh, a body can claim to be anybody from behind a mask. He's like, what matters is not my name, but my purpose in coming to the savage land which is to restore it to the beauty and glory it once was. You know, he reminds me of Destro. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Uh, his motivations are way different here than they are in X-Factor uh, Annual, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But again, I guess the X-Factor Annual was the first chapter, and this is like chapter seven. So I, you'll tell us later, uh, maybe the High Evolutionary's got some sort of arc in his plan i have no idea spoilers uh, <laughs> i'm not really sure either <laughs> okay most of mostly i i just don't care <laughs> so the high evolutionary is like yep i can i can do that uh my installation is nearby you're all welcome to come with me if you'd like nobody goes except for alex <laughs> it doesn't make it's it's kind of unclear like alex alex is an archaeologist so i guess it kind of makes sense that he's like what i wouldn't give to see uh if you wish to accept this kind of uh, invitation, Alex, I have no objection. So Storm allows it. Um, Longshot wanders off for some reason, and he gets pulled into the thin air. He slips on a patch of ice and falls into thin air. Yep. And goes, point, disappears. So Alex goes on the high evolutionary's fly cycle. <laughs> uh which i guess is a is an evolution from he said uh so uh, uh havoc says i'm impressed he says so once was i in those days i tinkered with machines tuning cars and bikes to their utmost peak of performance so i guess this is this is where bicycles have uh evolutioned or, or <laughs> the evolution of bicycles is a fly cycle i guess they're pedaling <laughs> but yeah, Havoc's in a really silly looking sidecar and the high evolutionary is like he's like super powerful and he's just kind of like hunched over like he's riding a tiny little motorcycle I don't know it, this doesn't feel grandiose enough the high evolutionary should just be able to like with his mind move him and Alex through the air gracefully to the installation and not rely on the fly cycle but I have to say, and I'm almost 100% sure, let's say I'm 90% sure that we have not seen the fly cycle before and we will not ever see it again. <laughs> You're probably right. Uh, definitely in this issue, I don't think we ever see it again. Um, yeah, so he he was always impressed with that, uh, but no matter how good the vehicle, he's always limited by the body's ability to control it. So he made his suit, I guess. Yes, his high evolutionary suit. With my mechanical experience, my life was the only one at risk. Playing with life affects innocent lives and too often destroys them. 
Alex thinks he sounds a bit like Professor Xavier, um, which has good and bad things about it. And he uh, the High Evolutionary introduces Alex to Zala. Yep. And, uh, have we have we seen Zala before? We have. We have. In classic X Men. No. Well, maybe I, I. I. We have seen them in. I don't know if we've seen them in the pages of Uncanny, but we've definitely seen them in uh, the X Men's adventures in the Savage Land. Oh, right, because she's a a mutate, right? Yes. Or, I mean. The people she leads are mutates. She's like a beautiful woman. She is Zaladane. Do we know that? Who was a mutate. Well, we don't know that until the end of this issue, oh. but I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> Wait, uh, in the former pages that we read, was she Zala or just Zaladane? The former pages? I think she was always Zaladane. Okay. And then uh, that was all one word, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And And... Was she a full-on woman, or was she like some creature half-breed thing? I don't remember any of the mutate's powers. Remember Lorelai? She was a woman. Yes, and she was also a mutate, and she just had green hair or something like that. Yeah, so I think Zaladane could be a woman. Okay, I'm just I I'm put putting the pieces together because Zaladane will be a character, not a huge one, but she'll be a character. And, and Cy- or, uh, Cyclops, uh, Havoc seems to. The way she's looking at me, I wonder if we met. I doubt it. I, I'd remember someone as striking as her. So I can't remember if Havoc was there or not um, and whether or not she looked the same. So who no, knows? No, I think there's another reason that she looks familiar to Havoc, but I don't want to spoil anything. Okay. Um, And the thing that I would be spoiling isn't going to happen for like another 30 issues, so... Oh, <laughs> I think anyways, if memory serves, uh, but I'll, I'll put a pin in it and I'll try to remember it when the time is right. Zaladane last appeared in Marvel fanfare number four, which was that four part Savage Land story. Okay. That we, we covered. Does it tell her next appearance? Uh, it does, but I clicked on the link. So now I'm off. Oh, well. Okay. 249. Yeah, yep, that's right. So, okay, not 30 issues. It's it's uh it's like right around the corner. So anyways, um he also thinks to himself, uh, the evolution has been more than uh, more myth than man. Is that why Storm doesn't seem bothered by him seeing us? Does she figure he won't recognize the X-Men? I always figured like this is the high evolution, he probably just doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they're just covering their butts. Right, of course. Story-wise. Yep. Um, so we get a little funny page of him drinking wine through his helmet. <laughs> I don't know, or champagne or whatever it is. Uh, Havoc refers to a mutant that, or, or someone that he knows of that might be able to help um, the High Evolutionary's plan to bring nature back to the Savage Land. But he's dead. Oh, well. Do we know who he's talking about? I didn't, but we find out in this issue. Okay. I don't know that that was made crystal clear to me. Okay. So when it happens, you'll have to tell me. Because cer- okay. certainly when I read this, I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I feel like we should. Uh, it's at this point we flip our attention to the X-Men, who I guess are just milling about the dead savage land while Alex is off at the High Evolutionary. Dazzler realizes that Longshot's missing. 
I'm going to assume that this is happening right after Alex left. Oh, it's probably concurrent. Like, Alex just left on the fly cycle, and Dazzler's like, long shot! Storm, everyone, he's gone! Rogue's like, maybe, maybe he just wandered off is all. You know, he does that. (laughs) (laughs) Psylocke can't find any trace of him, and uh, uh, she does admit that her telepathic powers are severely limited, but Wolverine uses his nose to sniff him out. Kid left the trail. I'll follow it. So the weird thing is, like, the women, uh, Rogue, Storm, and Psylocke go the opposite direction. Even though Wolverine's like, I've got the scent, guys. He's this way. Well, Dazzler follows Wolverine, and Storm, Psylocke, and Rogue are on another mission to scan Terminus. Even though, as Rogue points out, Aurora, you buried him under an avalanche. She points out that the Fantastic Four first encountered him. They supposedly sank him to the center of the earth, and he survived. So why wouldn't he survive this? Let's just scan him and make sure. Oakley dokley. Last panel on this page just has a terrible drawing of Rogue. It's not bad if it. It's not her face is fine. It's nope. just you just gotta if you put your hand over the body and you just leave her head, it's fine. Her hair is. No, it's terrible. All of it's terrible. Her head is not good. She points out that the the last she heard about Terminus was that he was killed by the Avengers. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, as Wolverine and Dazzler go off looking for Longshot, um, Dazzler complains more about those El Disgusto cigars, and they Wolverine disappears into the same place, presumably, that Longshot did. The same patch of thin air, but with, this time without a point. Storm then has a big question mark over her head, uh, also awful drawing, and she's like, my cameo crystal, glowing, but with the land destroyed, and she takes off. Cameo crystal, is that also from classic X-Men? That's that's a different classic X-Men issue Okay, uh, that was about storm it also took place around the same time uh that was classic x-men 22 okay think according to the internet okay probably also came out relatively recently publishing wise i would imagine okay and the the other story is classic x-men 21 so 21 and 22 are the ones that if you want to know what these stories are referring to that's what you go back to so what do you think do you think art adam was like chris I got an idea for the Savage Land arc, but I need it to start way back, like way back when. Can we work it into classic X-Men? Chris is like, okay. Or do you think Chris was like, you know, he never felt right about some of the stories about the Savage Land. Let's do this thing. I don't know. I, I don't, I, I doubt, I don't think Adam, Art Adams had anything to do with those uh, classic oh, X-Men stories. Of course stories. not, because John Bolton probably drew those. So he probably wasn't like, I really want to, I really want to have classic X-Men be in this issue of the annual that I'm drawing. It was, I don't suspect that happened. But but it has to have been planned out. I mean, the only reason to do this issue seems to me anyways, is to follow up on the two classic X-Men issues that happened within the last four or five months. Well, yeah, I mean, it was planned. I think it was planned out by Chris Claremont. But I wonder why. But, but, uh. I, I, Art Adams asking for this just seems 
kind of silly. No, I was confusing Art Adams with John Bolton. A, a terrible mistake. Oh, okay. by, 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 oh both, yeah, both, yeah. Both good artists in their own right, but different styles. Very different. Uh, so yeah, the strike that from from the record. Uh, but this just to me, this just seems like a weird story for Chris Claremont to have planted in Classic X Men, unless. Uh, months and months ago, they're like, hey, we're going to do this evolutionary war. Why don't you start thinking about your annual? And Chris is like, well, doing side stories on classic X-Men and the well's running dry. Maybe I could write something up together with the Savage Land and the two. Well, I mean, this pulls in a lot of stuff. I mean, it pulls into things from issues of Fantastic Four and Avengers, and uh, it's all over the place. So, you know, who knows? All right. Uh, so Ro- Storm takes off and now it's just Rogue and Psylocke. Yeah, Dazzler screams and so Storm rushes off to see what happens. Colossus comes with. She's like, Wolverine, he was there and then he wasn't there. I don't know what to do. Actually, Colossus disappeared this entire last two pages. Yeah, he's back though. He's just oh. been running around off camera. <laughs> Not real. I don't know what to do. I am no good at being with my friends. Uh, a portal opens, and a scary-looking bear monster sticks his head through the portal, and Storm's like, it's Sejimi. We're old friends. How are you? Are you well, you soaring skyboots skyfox? Uh, was this guy also from... He was from Classic X-Men too, wasn't he? Yes. I don't remember any of this. He is a giant bear thing that has a ship on its back that is apparently ginormous and storm lived with lived on this ship for like months oh actually it's coming back vaguely coming back those months in our time were only like seconds right 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 i do remember that now um okay well anyways they they get aboard the the, well, he lands and all of the Savage Land people, the Fall people, they get off of the ship. So apparently a lot of them died, but most of them were able to get onto the ship and fly away while the destruction was occurring. They were rescued by Aurora's, the woman that she, she kind of called her mother, I think, during this, uh, during this classic X-Men story. I don't know where her name is, but it's... Uh, Marin. Yep. And uh, Nareel gets off the boat, and uh, Colossus is very excited to see her, as she is him. And uh, Longshot says, Peter, hey, Peter, guess what? And Nareel says, Longshot, shush, please, my friend, quiet, you promised. Right. So they've got a secret. You heard your mom. No talking, no telling. You, our lips are sealed. We don't breathe a word, not even under torture. So. Longshot tells to the little guy whose name we don't know yet. It's Nareel's kid. Spoilers. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, elsewhere. Terminus is awake. Psylocke, yeah, senses it. Terminus bursts out of the ground. And uh, Rogue grabs Psylocke and they... Well, they get batted away by Terminus's giant staff. They're swatted away. Luckily, Psylocke lands on top because otherwise they'd probably be she'd probably be dead, but Rogue Rogue should be all right. Yeah. The storm attacks Terminus because they are nearby and uh Sajim attacks and you can now see the full size of the ship with the giant 
that, that that's on the back of the diet giant dog, and they attack Terminus. Doesn't really help. There is a uh, there's a giant butterfly on Storm's face, and uh, Marin freaks out. Storm, and she says, "It is our it is Psylocke, our telepath, contacting me." I think uh, like a movie, not not set in this world, but a movie that featured Sejim and the boat contraption attached to his back, uh, full of like like space or fantasy pirates, kind of in the vein of um, the uh, never ending story. I think that'd be good. But it would also end up featuring uh, Dave Cockrum's Nightcrawler stuff. Why, why is that? I don't know, because it's very similar. Oh, it sure. seems like it sort of shares a kind of weirdness. I, I think it'd be cool. Uh, and then uh, it could be a Nightcrawler movie. I mean, I wasn't actually imagining it being in the X-Men universe, but it could be an X-Men movie featuring Nightcrawler and Sajim doing swashbuckling stuff on this boat with pirates and stuff. And then we could get our first introduction to Nightcrawler's pet, Terry the Pterodactyl. And we'd also meet a bunch of Bamfs. Oh yeah, yeah. It's got potential. It'd be a little goofy. It'd be a risk for the for the movie studio, but I think in the in the hands of the right uh writers and directors, I I think there'd be something there. Yeah, considering you know, Fox doesn't appear to be publishing their latest X-Men title that I guess is complete, we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait until things change hands. Is is Phoenix complete? I'm assuming it is. They did reshoots from what I understand. What like recently? Uh, I thought so. Okay. Well, I mean, if they did reshoots recently, oh, I did read that, right? Some people were speculating like, ooh, do you think Kevin Feige like had some influence? And the general internet populace was like, no, <laughs> it's Fox. It's <laughs> just going to suck. I think even Kevin Feige was like, uh, we're going to do X-Men. It's going to be a while. Well, hopefully it doesn't suck. Um, you know, Apocalypse was kind of a stinker, but Days of Future Past was good. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, my new strategy for going into X-Men movies is just to lower my expectations as far as they'll go. Uh, and, and maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. Like Days of Future's Past. I had zero Days of Future Past. I had zero expectations and, uh, you know, very happy. Same thing okay. Same thing with Logan, more or less. I mean, the trailer was, was, was great for Logan, but uh, I still had low expectations due to the other two Wolverine movies that were not good in my opinion. <laughs> the second one wasn't terrible. Uh, eh. It just the the second half of the second one just got bad. But oh well. Yeah, I I agree with that. The first half was 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 interesting and intriguing. You can hear our full opinions on this on the Wolverine and the Wolverine and Old Man Logan episodes that we did way way back when. You know what we should do, Adam? We should. Uh, we should we should round out the cinema and we should we should just do an episode on every one of the movies. Maybe we make that a Patreon goal. <laughs> ah, ah, now you're thinking. Let us know audience what you think about that idea. We've we've covered the movies as they've come out to the- theaters uh starting with X-Men First Class and everything beyond X-Men First Class, though we've never done Deadpool, which more or less doesn't count. Um but but I think there's we talked about it very briefly in an episode. But there's uh you know there's X Men one two and three and then the first two Logan movies or Wolverine movies I I think that's it uh, that we have not done like an in depth review on and I I think that that could be a Patreon goal or or maybe just a thing we do. Let us know what you think. Let us know. Contact us.
Indeed. Because that would be more entertaining than this annual. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, they're, they're, they're on the boat and they're, uh, they're fighting. The High Evolutionary and Havoc show up? Not in the fly cycle, though. They're in a flying no. car. Because like I said, the fly cycle, we're done with it. <laughs> is this the car cycle? <laughs> no, this is just a flying car. Oh, is this the fly? The Havoc, Havoc's like, what is this called? And the High Evolutionary is like, a flying car. It's not fly car? <laughs> and and Havoc says, is it fly car? And and the High Evolutionary says, no, it's just a flying car. Like, No, that's, that's stupid, Havoc. It's just a flying car. Do you want to go or not? I'm, I'm... <laughs> I'm leaving. Bus is leaving. Get on or get out. So, yeah, they show up. Um, they, they fight some more. Uh, Rogue has a plan. She says she asks ha- uh, Longshot if she can borrow his luck. Well, it's Storm's plan, but right. Rogue has to do it. So we get a whole page of, uh, I don't know, like uh, Longshot's like, sure, whatever, teammates. So Rogue goes in for a super romantic kiss. Dazzler turns around and she's like, long shot, don't. Rogue, you stole his power only because I had to and because he let me. Don't worry. It's only for a little while. I'll give it back. That's how my powers work. But in the meantime, you know what he does, including how he really feels about me. Again, this goes back to that earlier thing. Like, were they sleeping together or did she happen to... Like run into his room and grab his jacket and be like, "Oh, I told you, man, heavy petting. That's all that was happening. Maybe, maybe some kisses." So you think that that that's all happening? And Dazzler's like, "I don't know if he likes me. Maybe he." You're right. It goes back to that kind of like uh, uh, naivety, uh, innocence of maybe, given the right circumstances, Longshot being an alien and not knowing our ways, uh, would would be making out and heavy petting with anybody. And Dazzler's not entirely like, and she knows this about Longshot, so she's not 100% committed. She's kind of enjoying it for herself, but at the same time, she's starting to feel some things. Yep. So uh, now Rogue's got the the blinking eye thing or the flashing eye thing, and she flies over to Terminus. Say your prayers, you big buffoon, because your party's almost over. Ha! Says Rogue. (laughs) She needed the luck. To fly through his helmet. Well, when Longshot fired those flechettes earlier in the issue, they luckily, uh, let's see, where does it say? Fractionally weakened the, uh, the, the faceplate of Terminus. Sure. And so now Rogue is luckily driving straight into them in order to explode the faceplate. So do you think, Wait, didn't all that happen when Storm wasn't there? Um, you know, Storm was watching. Okay. So Storm reasons that why would ha- why would Longshot throw those flechettes? We know Should, Well, while they were standing around, uh they gave Storm a recap of what exactly happened. Oh, and the Storm's like, "Oh, oh, oh, oh okay." And so it all came together like Longshot threw those flechettes, knowing full well they wouldn't do any good, but having a sneaking suspicion that there might be some luckiness behind them. Yeah. Okay, I buy it. <laughs> uh, and uh, it turns out uh, Terminus is a robot with a dude inside, and the dude Storm re- recognizes as Gay Rock. <laughs> yes. Or I don't know how you pronounce his name. I'm assuming it's Garak, but oh. it can be Gayrock. Does it matter? Garak? 
Garrick, Gay Rock, J Rock. I did not remember who this was, but I, I know that he was like the petrified man. Uh, and I feel like he's from Uncanny X Men, like not yeah, classic. I, I, I only kind of remember him from a cover. Yes. Where Psycho, like Colossus is on the cover and he's like red hot. Yes. I don't um, remember what happened to him either. But Garak or Garak is who Havoc is referring to that he thought was dead. Cripes, he's got more lives than we do, Wolverine says. Storm says, but he loves the Savage Land. Why would he wish to destroy it? Rogue goes in to absorb his powers, and apparently it's too much, like a bottomless well. Gayrock is like, no, stop, release me, women. It's never really explained why Garrick is in the Interminus. Something uh, that we never really learn. Isn't he tricked or something? I don't remember. Does it does it ever say? I just don't I don't don't remember. Uh Storm hurls Wolverine at Terminus's robot, cuts them all up, I guess. Uh um, and Wolverine even says, uh, all this cutting don't even matter if he if his repair systems are operative and Havoc says, Leave that to me, pal, and he blasts him right in there and, and Dazzler blasts him. So they're using teamwork, man. And Garrick f- uh, gets hit. Garrick and Rogue fly out of the uh, f- the face, I guess, of Terminus due to the impact of Dazzler's blast. Well, she also says, uh, Psylocke, pass the word to Storm. I'm giving it my best shot. So more teamwork. Um I thought they were all psi-connected. I guess you're right. I don't know. Yeah, right. They 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 have their psychic rapport, the team psychic rapport. So this is kind of useless information. Storm's probably like, Dazzler, you're you're not the boss. I am because I know these things. <laughs> uh, once, uh, old man, I failed to save you way back in X-Men number 116. We get our first, uh, and I think only, dialogue box back into the past. There, There was a previous one that I noticed. Um, a couple pages ago. Uh, so so that reminded me. The, remember, like, Storm was, they were above some sort of pit, and Storm was uh, trying to reach for Garrick, but she she couldn't, and she felt really bad about it for, like, three issues or something? Yes. Did that have to do with, like, uh, a Kobayashi Maru, or was she unable to reach down because of her uh, her fear of small places? I don't remember. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to say it's probably both. <laughs> okay. Um, so Colossus catches Rogue. Terminus blows up. Without Garrick inside of Terminus or without somebody to run it, I guess it, it just explodes. Oh, I guess you're right. Garrick is like, I'm sorry. I don't remember anything from the last encounter to the moment I woke here. Nothing. What happened to the Savage Land? Terminus, I, was it not? Could that destroyer have been me? Evolutionary, have you considered the implications? Precisely, when he strikes again. If the last guy wasn't Terminus and Garak isn't, then the real one must still be on the loose. I have no idea what that means. Uh, right. So I guess, does that mean Terminus or the person, the tiny little alien that was inside of Terminus? Dunno. 
<laughs> Precisely, young Alex, and when he strikes again, you and your comrades must stand ready to stop him, which Alex says, oh, oh, Terminus isn't uh, an X-Men villain. He's uh, he's more of an Avengers guy, so <laughs> we're never going to see him again. Nice try, but we're out. <laughs> uh, the boat dog lands, and uh, Nareel's hanging out with uh, Colossus, and, and turns out he, he really likes Nareel's son, who still has no name. What was the secret? Do we know what the secret is? She says, I have lived through the death of almost oh. everyone I, I knew and loved, Peter. And then the little kid says, yes, ma'am. And she says, not you, silly. And then the little kid says, oops. And Cyclops has a big question mark because he's a moron. Cyclops or Colossus? Or Colossus. <laughs> They're both named Peter. Oh. So this is Peter's kid. Gotcha. That's the big secret. Oh, wait, what? He is? Yeah. Oh, wait. Did he perish in the fire? We parted long before then. I'm sorry. Oh, perhaps he will return. Then he will be welcomed. Oh. I don't know why she's just not telling him. Like, you're the father. You want to stay and hang with me? You seem to love me. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> what a little weird thing to put in there. Does this ever go anywhere? Like, does Peter's son ever become Little Colossus? <laughs> uh i think he appears in uncanny x-men so i guess we'll find out you know it'd be uh, and if he does it's great uh, it would be awesome if he showed up in the pages of what is it young x-men or new x-men or whatever the, like the the modern new mutants stories were well there was generation x for a while after that and then i think there was i think it was new x-men became the New Mutants, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't called New Mutants, and most of it took place on the grounds of the mansion, the school, but they'd still find ways to get into trouble. Be cool if he was part of that gang. And maybe he is, I don't know. I don't think so, but we'll find out in six years. <laughs> I guess uh, the High Evolutionary and Gayrock are going to rebuild the Savage Land. So the uh, they do so. Uh, using the High Evolutionary's amazing technology and Garak's amazing mutant ability, which I have no idea what it is, but whatever it is, it works. Um, and this is where we learn more about Zaladane and the mutates. We get to see all of the mutates, uh, including Toad Guy and Big Brain Guy and um, Vampire Batman. So... I I don't know if it says it here anywhere, but I would wager that Zaladane and the Mutates uh, orchestrated the whole thing. Orchestrated the whole Terminus thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, it, it never says it outright, but, but all of a sudden, there they are. Wolverine's like, the scent of evil is here, and she looks all angry, and then she... I don't think so, because Terminus started out as an alien from another planet who came down just to, like, destroy stuff. No, I mean the, the Garak Terminus thing. Oh, you think Zaladane popped Garak into Terminus? I mean, well, yeah, I don't know. Okay, that's interesting. Otherwise, no, that, like... That, that makes sense. Why does... I like it. Otherwise, why does this page exist? I just figured this was never going to be followed up on, or this was like another reference to something that I just didn't know what it was. There's yeah. so many references in this thing. This is like this whole issue is brought together by 
all these other issues. Yeah. It's very confusing. Zaladane wants Storm dead, her head on a pike, adorning uh, a pike beside her throne. I guess Evol- High Evolutionary hears this, the rest of the X-Men don't or something, because High Evolutionary is like, dream on Zaladane, in blissful ignorance of the fact that your dreams, like your fate, are not mine. I have little liking for many of the tools I am forced to use, but I must do it. But I don't understand, like, isn't Zala his assistant or something? So I'm assuming high high evolutionary has highly evolved hearing. I don't know. So Gayrock uh, essentially becomes the the Savage Land. Yes. Yeah, which is kind of that's a cool idea. He he sacrifices himself to bring back uh to bring back that which is the Savage Land. The Fall People kind of rebuild their village, and Kazar shows back up. Well, well, the uh, Sajim and Mirin leave and say goodbye to Storm. But before Kazar shows up, uh, Storm tells Psylocke to wipe everybody's mind of the X-Men having ever been there. True. So Kazar shows up and he says, Hey, everybody, it's me, Kazar, Lord of the Savage Land, and Shana, the she-devil of a wife. And their baby boy! I always introduced everybody in my party, except for Sheba. Hate that stupid line. Don't know why he follows me. You mean Zebu? Zebu. I don't know. One of the two. Sheba. <laughs> I don't know. It's the first thing that popped in my mind. <laughs> so he's like, uh, hey, what is this in the middle of the village? And they're like, oh, we don't know. There's some people that saved us. And it's the eight-pointed star that Madeline was drawing a while ago. Yeah, in the first issue of the three-part brood thing. Yeah. No, was it then? Yeah, because she was sitting alone oh, by right. herself. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. The X-Men were off, and then she saw Scott on the TV, and then she banged her head on the TV, and so on and so forth. So, so this is what puts it squarely after the Brood story. This is what you were referring to earlier? Yeah. Yeah, okay, totally, 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 totally. Uh, yeah, and uh, Nareel's like, a tribute to those who aided us in our hour of greatest need and helped us restore the Savage Land. But who were they? Legends. Legends. And one of them was the father of my child, but that got erased from my memory, so... Oh. <laughs> Storm's how, a jerk. How convenient. <laughs> uh, so we get the first appearance of um, Kesar's and Shana's baby in this, who doesn't have a name yet, but whose name is Adam Plunder. Oh, does he become somebody? I don't know. Oh, okay. Maybe. Okay. Mabes. Uh and then we get a backup story. Uh that that it's got Mojo, it's got X Babies. It's drawn it's got by Chris Claremont. It's got Chris Claremont. It does have Chris Claremont. It's drawn by Art Adams. How could you go wrong? It's not good. It's not a good story. Well, it's short. Yeah. I think I think all of these fillers that they like even the the one in the X Factor and the one in New Mutants. So the one in New Mutants was okay, but yeah, they're all kind of like they seem rushed. So Mojo is really mad because the X Men are dead, and uh, he's been secretly televising their adventures through uh, Psylocke's bionic eyes, and now his ratings are going down the toilet. Because apparently, with whatever happened with the X Men getting. Uh, killed also severed his connection to Psylocke's eyes. Well, he thinks that she's dead. Well, right, but oh, right. You know, apparently, the the cameras also think they must have stopped working or something. Yeah, 
So what's her what's her name? Uh, Roma. Roma. Yep. Must have conveniently shut that off, which is nice. Yeah. So we have a major domo here doing his major domo stuff, uh, basically kind of being a droll character, continually calling um, Mojo darling. Which when I was a kid, I was like, this doesn't make sense and makes me feel weird. <laughs> it did, not really, but I didn't understand. Like, why, aren't they dudes? Why are they calling each other darling? Um, but it's kind of charming now. I don't, I, whether they're gay or not is irrelevant. It's just, it's just a, it's a charming way of speaking. And I, I kind of, uh, I kind of like it. And if I felt like uh, I could it, get it's... away with it, I would totally call my male coworkers darling. Well, you could, it'd just be a characteristic. It's like, uh, the great Gatsby calling everybody, um, that thing that he calls everybody, which I can't remember. <sighs> so the great, I'll Ga- remember it. I never read the great Gatsby. <laughs> but you read the cliff notes yeah did i tell you that story i think you did yeah. okay yeah read the cliff notes uh anyways um that we get introduced to minor domo who i believe is a robot who gets super excited and then short circuits a lot she's a bit of a spaz yep uh, i don't know so eventually they they hatch an idea to well actually it's uh Huh. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do to get their ratings back up, and they call in the writers. So these are, I'm assuming, must be Chris Claremont. Well, Chris Claremont is the one who goes, it's all your fault. And we only know it's Chris Claremont because a little later we get a little narration bubble that says, wasn't that gross what happened to Chris? Well, I suspected it was. Right. Same here. But, yeah, that did confirm it. I imagine that one of these guys is Bob Harris. Maybe. There's got to be a, a a wheezy in here. Yeah, uh, there's a like a tall, curly-haired guy with a mustache. He's got to be somebody. I mean, they they're all somebody. Uh, who do you think the woman is with the leather jacket? I'm assuming that's Louise Simonson. Yeah, I I would I would go along with that. The tall, red-headed guy. I don't know. Actually, you know what? I bet you if if you paid closer attention to the uh, Marvel. What, the, the bullpen yeah because every now and then they do like uh feature spotlight feature uh ralph macchio but i think he pronounced it ralph macchio is how he pronounced his anyways they would have a character of their face and then the little bio and i bet you if you clipped all of those you could match all these people up with them and figure out who they were although i don't recall ever seeing one on chris claremont i don't either yeah so mojo turns chris claremont's Head into a baby. Well, that's with Chris Claremont's like, it's all your fault. I warned you. I said, go for quality, not quantity. But no, you just had to keep exploit. And then he gets turned into a baby head. A baby head who looks like, like a, like, like a, like a character. Like, isn't that the character from that Rin Tin Tin or something like that? Or what was that Steven Spielberg movie that came out a couple years ago? Tin Tin? Tintin, yeah, isn't that Tintin? Well, kind of. Only that Tintin has like a weird head and like a little wisp of hair. Uh, to me, this guy looks more like um, the shrunken head character in Beetlejuice. Okay. <laughs> um, but I can see how you, there's a there's a Tintin esque resemblance here. I never actually saw the Steven Spielberg movie. Heard it I didn't either. Heard it wasn't very good. Oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't hear anything about it. I'd also read a lot of the original Tintin comic uh, collections when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. They were. I mean, Tintin is like kind of like real life. Not real life, but 
uh, more grounded Doctor Who in which he gets into adventures, uh, but he's never like kissing or shooting people. Like he's always just kind of there <laughs> figuring things out. And then he's got like a uh, a little little gang of weird uh, friends that just kind of hang out with him. I don't know. <laughs> They're interesting. Sounds fun. Yeah, they are. They're trying to figure out what to do, so they hop on a boat. They're going to get replacement X-Men, says Louise Simonson, and that's when Mojo says, I know, I'll get replacement X-Men. Yeah. And, and then we never see the writers again. On the uh, mast, or the, the bow of the boat, Ricochet Rita is strapped to it. And wasn't she strapped to it in the Longshot miniseries? Yeah, she went like crazy or we thought she went crazy, but she says here, I survived my last jaunt up here. Fats, remember? These are wild rides you send me on. I'm starting to enjoy them. So somehow she's connected to this ship and I don't know why we're in this ship in this thing. It just seems like a way to shoehorn Rita back into this. Right. Um, uh, Mo- Mojo also asks where his warwolves are. Uh, Major Dome was like, on assignment, on location, you sent them after Fee. I didn't hear that. I told you never mention that name again. I define reality here. Not that ungrateful renegade. What's that referring to? I don't know. <laughs> so you may steer the ship, but I shit with the way. So tell me then, who's the master here? Who's the slave? Feels like song lyrics. <laughs> Maybe it is. So they head into like Mojo Town, which... Really, I wish they would have spent more time just going through the weirdness that is Mojo Town. Because I, I like these two panels, um, but I don't know. They don't. And it's like they're basically doing a talent search. Uh, yeah. And they get a bunch of different groups of X-Men. Uh, the first are super skinny, I guess maybe sultry uh, women X-Men. Which I think would have been better if they had male versions of Storm and Dazzler and Psylocke instead of just all female versions of the the guys. Yeah, so you have Longshot, Nightcrawler, Colossus, Wolverine, Magneto, and Havoc all in, and not not even, I mean, it's weird. The, the women are drawn weirdly. I don't know if they're supposed to be sexy. I don't know if they're supposed to be bodybuilders, but they're all kind of creepy looking. They're sexy, creepy bodybuilders. Yeah. <laughs> Mojo says nope, and he dumps them. And uh, as he dumps them, they go flying out the back of the boat uh, and, and crash, presumably die. Crash into the city. The next batch and is like some. Tran- Vanna White is the one introducing and dumping all of them. The next batch is like either Transformers or Gobots. You take your pick. Trans Gobots. <laughs> and uh, Mojo's like nope, and so we get the next batch, which are naughty. Yeah, I guess they're naughty, but I don't know. Nightcrawler doesn't really look that naughty. So you got like midget Wolverine, which isn't naughty at all. He just has a machine gun. He looks like, I mean, I'd like to see this movie. <laughs> he looks like a miniature Punisher. Yeah, I would like to see this movie. I'd like to see, uh, uh, what's his face from Game of Thrones, dye his hair black, smoke cigars, wear sunglasses, and kill people, like punish people. Not- Can we call it Lil Punisher? No, 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 no. It has to just be like, like you have to like forget that that he's a a small person, 
and it's well, just you can like do that, but you can still call it Lil Punisher. You don't call it Lil Punisher. His name is Barry or something, <laughs> and uh, you know his family. Like I guess it's a Punisher esque story, uh, and it's it's that same story that we've seen the renegade person who goes on revenge, except it's done with a little person who happens to have really cool hair, a ponytail, and smokes a cigar. And we can't call it Lil Punisher. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have Fishnet. I'm going to guess that this is Jean Grey. I guess. It doesn't say any other names. You've got, I guess, Dominatrix Storm and Rogue? Dominatrix Leather Skin, uh, Leather, is it Leather, Leather Cheetah yeah. Halter. <laughs> Halter Top. Uh, Storm. Uh, and then you've got, or a Colossus, rather, in... Sort got, of a gimp outfit. I guess. But without, got, without, without the face. He's got a collar and a like a unitard thing that he's wearing. And then Nightcrawler could maybe he maybe he's like the pimp of the group. It just feels like they're all trying out for the Hellfire Club. Kind of. Mojo doesn't like these guys, so he dumps them. Uh, and then we get the Animal X Men. I really like these guys. <laughs> you have uh, Chicken Longshot, Kitty Storm, Skunk Rogue, Jack Rabbit, Havoc, Pig Dazzler. Uh, Ferret Psylocke, Bulldog Wolverine, and are we going to go with a cow for Colossus? I think it's a gorilla. Okay. Probably, probably a gorilla. Okay. I, I My favorite is the uh, Havoc hair. Havoc. <laughs> yes. Uh, Moji doesn't like this, so they, they get dumped. Uh, and that's when the young, the proud, the cantankerous, the mighty ex-babies show up. And... Longshot says, guess who's back? Yes. And what I don't understand here is, I mean, it doesn't matter because they're in Mojoverse and anything can happen in Mojoverse, but are these people trying out for the role or is Major Domo like creating them on the fly? I think it doesn't matter. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because these are both the same young X-Men or X-Babies, but they're also different X-Babies. So it's just that kind of... The, there, there is no real logic to it. You just got to go with it. And Mojo's like, no, long shot. I don't want no stinking long shot. And he turns long, baby long shot into what looks like an adult picture. But but maybe not. I don't know. It, it could be an adult. It could be a baby. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Um, it's, it's basically a headshot. And uh, Daz was like, no, long shot, my love of my life, you're just a picture. And uh, Mojo's getting ready to dump them. But I guess throughout all the commotion, the X-Men have jumped off of the platform. And that's when Vanna White pulls out her gun and the guards, like, we're going to kill you. And Ricochet Rita senses what's happening and causes the boat to tilt. And the guards go flying. Well, this is weird because it says at that very convenient moment back on Earth, Gateway, remember him, flashes the X-Men, the real ones who we know aren't dead, from place to place. See their story for details. We ain't got room here. In that process, their momentary momentary transit of the other omnidimensional tether provokes an immediate response. So Ricochet Rita detects long shots somehow. Okay real world long shot and that's and she tilts the boat can't be i sense him but he's dead quick as i can i've got to no no he's gone 
so the guards go uh, go fallen. Uh, the trademark bugs come out, and he's like, "All right, well, whatever. Go go trademark those kids." And I feel like Rick and Morty stole the trademark police. Oh, could be. It kind of remind me of those Rick and Morty insects. Yep, yep. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of them. They're getting ready to brand the X-Men. The X-Men fight, uh, except Rogue and Dazzler are fighting over the picture of Longshot. Gimme, 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 mine, mine, mine. Wolverine and Psylocke free Ricochet Rita from the front of the boat, only to be uh, cornered by Mojo and his guards. You've been very naughty. And then uh, he's about to kill them. And Major Domo says, hold on a second. We, uh, we're getting the best ratings we've ever gotten ever. And so Mojo changes his mind and says, I love it. He grabs the X-Men and he says, come to Papa. And he gives them all a big hug about all the money that they're going to make. Except Wolverine has slipped through and he's underneath Mojo's chair. And he's like, I can't. I must. <laughs> and pops his claws right into Mojo's butt. Which I think is a reference to a thing that it's a comic trope. I can't, but I must. Oh, well, these three panels, I believe, uh, are right from X-Men 225 when he does this to Blob. Yeah, it's very similar. I was reading in that, that Marvel Comics history thing that there was one month when Jim Shooter forced everybody who was writing a comic book to have a, a conflict moment where everybody was like, I can't, but I must. Oh, and so that, that rang a bell while I was reading this and I was like, I wonder if this is just a parody of that. Probably. Cause as you mentioned, he's, he's recently fired. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, Mojo goes flying and, uh, Havoc says, well, that's all the time we got. And all the little X-Men say little funny things. And Ricochet Rita's like, am I going to regret this? Because I guess she's going to be the ex-baby's caretaker. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Who it's, knows? It's uh, it's silly. It's fun. It's bad. It's not bad. It's bad. Don't be a party pooper. <laughs> it's bad. I'm sorry. It's bad. It's it's fine. There's, like uh, when I saw that, right? Like so even even in X-Men Annual uh, 10 uh, – the X babies only get like five or six pages before like they're no longer X babies. But in that five or six pages, they have an adventure and they, they argue about who's going to drive the car and like they go on wacky adventures. This spent way too much time with the stupid X-Men. <laughs> I would have rather they skipped all of that and been like, Hey, what if we use these guys for your show? And then the same thing happens. Mojo's like, Oh, not them, not them again. And then they get, they do hijinks in the Mojo City, and uh, and then it ultimately ends the same way. But I don't know. It's just like two pages of nonsensical ex babies. I don't know how they get from here to there. I know it doesn't matter, but it's just not. It was disappointing. I, I was disappointed when I was a kid and I bought that issue, and I'm, I'm disappointed now upon rereading it. Yeah, but Hervik. Yes, that's that's clever, and I bet you, I bet you, there's cute animal names for all of them, like Gorilla Lassus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, no. Whew. So that's uh, boy, that's this is where annuals start really not doing it for me. So there, there, this this was a new thing, um, trying out 
a 12 part crossover annual thing. And I guess it must've done well because this was the first one of many. Right. Uh, the next one will be Atlantis Attacks, and I. But I feel like that's a four-parter. I don't. At think... least I, I hope it is. I, no, I think it goes through all the annuals. I think it's just just another another thing that goes through all the annuals. I could be wrong. I, uh, but I, I don't think I am, because I feel like this is the the thing for a few years is like twelve-part annual stories, and it's so much like as a kid, I, like the the annuals themselves are. Uh, seventy-five, so almost twice the price of a regular comic book. And to try to get, I mean, you're asking a kid to fork out like $24. Yeah, I, 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 it is, it is quite a lot to ask. Now, I don't remember, did, did all of the annuals come out on the same, like at the same time or were they spread out throughout the year? No, these ones, I, I, I can only speak for these ones, but these ones were, were spread out throughout the year, which is why X Factor... Uh, number three, which was the first one, features Beast in a, uh, you know, in his dumb state. Whereas the last issue in this Avengers Annual 17 features Blue Beast. What? Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, they took, they took, like, I think they were released maybe one or two a month. Sure. Uh, and again, uh, before the days of the internet, I, I guess there was probably a checklist maybe somewhere in one of these issues as to what you needed to get. But I don't know. Trying to track all these down, I feel like – I remember uh, the only large part series I tried to collect was Extinction Agenda, which went through all of the mutant titles, like three issues of each. So there was like 12 issues of that, I think. Uh, and I – went to the comic book store faithfully and I missed an issue like the second <laughs> to the end, or maybe even the last chapter of it. So it wasn't years until I figured out like what, what was extinction agenda all about? But I, I finally got there. Wasn't there, uh, what was the one after that? Didn't the, the one that was all polybagged and it was, it Oh had a, yeah. I was done by then. Uh, that was like, you? that was, uh, 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 the Executioner's Song. Yes. That, that was like the, that was the big 12-parter. Yeah. I think I started uh, and and stopped collecting comics somewhere through there because all the good artists were gone. Uh, yeah. Dark days. Dark days ahead, everybody. Let's call them popular artists. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh let us know what you think of uh, of our idea to cover the old movies um, and anything else you want to let us know uh, in our our viewer mailbag, of which we have some this month. Dun, dun, dun. First one's from, I can't pronounce this guy's name ever. You do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that it is, uh, I'm going to say that it rhymes, first of all. So I'm going to start by saying Bowser. Do you like, do you like that, Bowser? I would go buser, but it's probably not that. So in order to make it rhyme, I'm going to have to make it Bowser Sauber. Okay. Bowser Sauber. <laughs> Which is sort of a, a mispronunciation of the last name. And he's a, he's emailed us before. He says, Hey guys, still love you. If Marvel owns the rights, uh, what group of X-Men do they bring first to the screen? An existing group, the current group, a new cinematic group. Could Phoenix work as phase two? 
oh, we could probably have an entire podcast on that discussion alone. Uh, but I, I don't think they use anybody they currently have. In fact, I hope no, they I, don't. Really? I would, uh, not that I don't like them. I, I just say scrap, scrap it all. Like just there's, there's the Fox Marvel universe and it is what it is. And that's fine. But who's left then? What? Uh, I, I don't mean characters. I mean, actors. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. So clear the slate of the actors. Michael Fassbender has been an excellent X-Man or uh, Magneto rather. Um, you know, same thing with Patrick Stewart uh, as as Professor Xavier. Uh, we don't we we would only want I would only want uh, what's his face back as Wolverine for a fan service Hulk fight. But otherwise, you start over with all the characters. And the question is, it's a great question. Like, where do you start them? And in my... Only only if Hugh Jackman plays the Hulk. <laughs> right. And uh, uh, what's-his-face plays Wolverine, uh, the guy who plays the Hulk now? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, this is what... this If it was my universe and I could do whatever I wanted to, I would, I would keep going with the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the direction that we are, right? I mean, we already have kind of our slate of movies to come. But inside of each of the movies leading up to the release of the X-Men, I would start planting the seeds of the X-Men uh, or mutants in general, whether it be like, and this maybe this is probably what they'll do, just articles of, of uh, or stories or somehow worked into the story of children being born with superpowers naturally. It's a phenomenon. Scientists are looking into it. Uh, you could drop Hank McCoy's name or maybe Professor Xavier's name, uh, but the focus wouldn't be around that. We'd just be like planting the seeds through through the movies, and then maybe in an Avengers movie. Uh, through what movie though? There's only gonna be, there's only gonna be one more Avengers movie. It doesn't have to be Avengers. I, I like uh, Black Panther, Black Widow, Ant Man. Any of those movies, any of the Marvel movies, which are gonna feature multiple Marvel characters, you could just plant some of those seeds. Like, like uh, uh, Paul Rudd could be driving the Antmobile, listening to the radio, and a little blurb comes on about a little boy who is born with powers, and he flips the channel to a catchy pop song, and then the adventure continues. Just things like that. Um, and then maybe in uh, like a Spider-Man movie or one of the large movies that everyone's going to go see. And you can't tell me that Avengers Four is going to be the last Avengers. They're gonna okay. Phase... It's gonna be the, it's gonna be the last one with those. Avengers with the the main Avengers. Absolutely. There will be new there will there will be new Avengers. But I really don't think I, I my I, I don't think and this is just this is just my opinion. But I didn't finish Adam. I know. But you 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 said something so now I'm now I'm trailing off. All right. And I'll make it I'll make it quick. I don't think there I really don't think there's going to be another Avengers movie. You don't think so? I think this is the last one and I think they're going to have a different thing that's going to be a different phase. That's possible. I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like the Avengers movie is going to be the 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 vehicle that brings in whoever the current superhero uh, groups are, or the the current the current superheroes that are featured cinematically. Um, maybe not. I don't know. But anyways, whatever the large movie is, uh, at some point you you could bring in a little subplot. Uh, introducing the X-Men, kind of like how we got an introduction to Spider-Man. Uh, and then the next movie would be the X-Men. So it it would be it would be a buildup. It would take a while. It would be maybe a little bit complicated, but I feel like in the right hands. 
you could get to the point where you've established that there are these mutants in the in the Marvel universe, uh, culminating into an X Men movie. And then where would I start? I would. I think I just start at the beginning. Like I wouldn't. I think I would just grab those first five original X Men and and make a story, and then just evolve that team to bring in newer X Men. You know, as as their uh, salaries grow and you need to get rid of them to get fresh people in there i wouldn't i wouldn't rush wolverine either i would i would wait you know maybe you'd bring him in on a solo movie or maybe you'd bring him in on an avengers movie as like kind of do like what they did in alpha flight where where he's like a covert person chasing after the hulk i don't know i like i like i like where you're going with this and i agree with you for the most part but then logically i think dollars come in and they're not going to not do a Wolverine movie right away. I think that's a mistake. I I think it's a, what do I know? I think it's a mistake to do that. I think, I think you, uh, you do less. I agree with you. I I actually, I think, I think you're spot on with starting with the original five Uh, and don't, and don't draw it out. Like just do the original five, do a really good, like kind of origin story. Cause people like the origin stories where it's like, these are all the characters. And then, and then they do a little fight with Magneto uh, and then also, I would, I don't know. I don't think they're going to do Magneto though. I yeah. think that's that's where it's going to be different. And that's that's the other thing that I, like even I don't know who they would do, and if they even if they just did like the first movie with the X Men versus Magneto, like you can't have him be like a huge character like he has been. And I, the only reason I don't think they're going to do Magneto is because. Spider-Man doesn't seem to be repeating any of the stuff from the Sony villains. Yeah, but that's true. Uh, that's true. I don't know. And then, uh, yeah, so I, I guess I don't know how that first story plays out or what they do. Because you have to kind of do something iconic. Um, although I guess Spider-Man pulled it off. I mean, Homecoming features the Vulture and he's not like super well-known character, is he? Uh, he is one of the main Spider-Man villains. I mean, yeah, but to, 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 he, to, he's, he's part of the Sinister Six. Yeah. But I mean, so is the Rhino, I guess. My point is, is that like, I feel like Dr. Octopus and well, maybe you're right. The, no, Green... the, the Rhino was never part of the Sinister Six. Yeah, he was. Wasn't he? No, I don't, I don't care. I don't, I, maybe you're right. I don't, I don't care. Uh, m- my point is, is maybe it doesn't even matter because, uh, 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 the the um the original Spider-Man movie started off with Green Goblin, and I like a, that's a natural enemy to start Spider-Man with, but I don't feel like he's as well known culturally as like Doctor Octopus. I agree. So I I was always surprised that they started out with the Green Goblin, because like yeah, I'm I'm with you. Where I'm like the number one villain for Spider-Man is Doc Ock. Yeah, everybody knows Doc e- Ock. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so when it comes to the X-Men, though, like uh, people were probably barely aware of Magneto when that first movie came out. I can't imagine that they're familiar. I mean, the only other villains that you have are Freedom Force, Marauders. Yeah, that that's that's tough. Space, Shi'ar, uh, Brood. It's a it's a tough rogues gallery to cull your enemies from. Actually, that would be really interesting is if they they took the space angle and it's like – so like if there is another Guardians of the Galaxy movie, then we get peppered with some stuff about mutants in that. 
And then the next movie is X-Men, but the X-Men are like hanging out with the, with the star jammers or something. Uh, you could definitely work all that in, right? Like, so you pepper the, the earth stuff with the X-Men and then maybe you pepper the guardians of the galaxy with brood, Shi'ar, star jammers, take your pick. And then that doesn't pay off until an X-Men movie where we, the X-Men finally meet the star jammers or the Shi'ar. And we've heard about them in guardians of the galaxy. I'm guessing it's not going to be a lot of movies before the X-Men movie, but I don't know. No. So there won't, there won't be a lot of space to put this tiny bits of information into. Although, but I mean, I guess we'll see in the hands of a right, uh, of the right, um, writer and director combo as mentioned before, you could do that first X-Men with the original five X-Men and you could have a weird side plot with professor Xavier and, uh, What's her face, Shiar woman? That's it. That's it. That's what I'm saying. Is you start them out in space, not in space, but like with a, with a relationship to space, and then maybe in the second movie you throw them in space, and they're they they start out in space and they're coming back to Earth after many space adventures. Whoa, whoa. Oh, maybe. And so and so they're 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 the space team. They come back. They're these humans, and they're seeing how the world is now. I don't know. I'm just trying to mix it up a little bit. And then the follow-on question is, could Phoenix work as Phase 2? So Phase 2 of the X-Men, I presume. I don't know, man. Phoenix, I think Phoenix only works in the pages of the X-Men. No, I think Phoenix works if you do it well, but it hasn't been done well yet. Uh, I think the only way, I feel like the only way you can do it is to have all of that backstory. Or I guess space, right? So I guess you could do your first movie on Earth. Here's our X-Men. Aren't they wonderful? Aren't they awesome? But to have the Phoenix be defined as it has been defined uh, previously, which is she's just super powerful and I blocked her powers, doesn't work. The new movie, presumably there's a space thing and maybe as they're coming back, she gets the Phoenix Force. But then then it doesn't work because if Marvel doesn't want to copy what Sony and Fox has already done... And that's what Fox does. Then maybe they just don't bother with Phoenix. I don't know. That's a tough one. I think that's your slow build. I, I think. Oh, totally. It has to be. Phoenix. Phoenix is like the fourth X Men movie, or maybe, or maybe even more after that. Who knows? I don't even. Know. I feel like it could have worked in the Fox movies if those movies weren't Wolverine and the X Men. I think that's the biggest problem. I enjoyed most of those movies. But really, it was just a it was Wolverine and these other guys, because we really got no character depth out of Storm, Cyclops, uh, or or Marvel Girl. Yeah, and so so that's I guess the challenge to making an X Men movie work, and they have with the Avengers is giving everybody something to do, giving them kind of equal importance, and giving them all kind of story arcs because the X Men other than Wolverine are super one dimensional. But then everybody in the Avengers, except for the Hulk, well, even the Hulk really had had their own movie. True, that's true. And so, that, like, do you do you have a Cyclops movie? No. Do you have a Marvel Girl movie? No. And that's that gets to your point of like maybe they do end up doing just a Wolverine movie to get the X Men universe going. So, do they do all of the most popular characters as one-off movies, or maybe you get like two-offs? You get a Cyclops and Jean Grey movie. No, 
Would anybody go see that? I don't know. I don't think so. people go see a Wolverine movie, but I don't know that anybody goes to see any other character's movie. I don't know <laughs> why. I mean, maybe it's just because like Thor, Captain America, and all of the solo characters we've seen have had ongoing series in the Marvel universe. So there's a lot of material to draw from. Like they have their villains and nemesises. And locations, whereas the X-Men, like Cyclops, he's been in limited series, but he's not had the Cyclops series. Prior to Iron Man, would you have said that anybody would go see an Ant-Man movie? Would you have said that anybody would go see a Thor movie? No, absolutely not. Uh, maybe maybe Thor, um, but not an Ant-Man movie. Uh, not a Black Panther movie. A Guardians of the Galaxy? No. That just came out. That came out of nowhere for most people. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. I mean, again, with the right writers and the right directors, you can do anything. Uh, but maybe it's just my own personal bias. Like if I'm seeing Cyclops, I kind of want to see a couple more X Men too. Yeah. Although I guess you could use that opportunity to explore his relationship with Havoc, and and maybe Lorna Dane could be there, and you could do something with that. I don't, I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, so I guess. Uh, Bowser Sauber. I don't really have. I think that's a very wishy-washy answer. But but my desire is for them to sprinkle it in. Uh, don't don't blow the load. Uh, but but show restraint, and then also get things going pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes any sense. Uh, Abigail Garcia uh, writes in. She says, I "Love your podcast so much. Just discovered it and I'm pretty hooked. You guys are an inspiration to me. Been collecting." X-Men since uh, she was in high school. It was the first comic book she ever picked up. Uh, and that was when the original Batman movie came out in 89. Everyone was hyped about the Bat, but she was completely make mine Marvel, uh, absorbed with the uncannies coming out at the time. Uh, also, back then, I was the only girl in my entire high school who read uh, comic books. I uh, just want to say thank you and keep doing what you're doing. And she has a picture above her desk of many X-Men Covered. But she's, she says it's a picture of a poster above her desk. So I'm wondering, are those actual covers or is that just a picture of actual covers? I don't know. But, you know, when when we were collecting comic books, we'd read them or at least I'd read them. And then I'd, I'd tape them to the wall with with the Mylar bags and my whole wall would be lined with with X-Men, X-Factor, X-Force, etc. Yeah, I think you inspired me to do that as well, and I I did it with Ghost Rider, and I want to say Gru, because that's that's the only one that I probably had like I could fill an entire wall with. My inspiration for that was a show called My Secret Identity. Oh, do you remember that show? Vaguely, it had uh, oh my gosh, it had the guy from Sliders. <laughs> Dang it, I can't remember his name. Uh, and he was also in Stand By Me. He was the fat kid in Stand By Me who thinned out as he got older. <laughs> Wasn't Will Wheaton? Uh, God, I can't remember his name. Anyways, him. Uh, he it was a half an hour show on Fox, and he he had wandered into somebody's laboratory, gotten superpowers, and didn't know how to use them. So the scientist that was his next door neighbor was trying to teach him how to use his powers, and uh, his bedroom. His walls were lined with comic book covers, and I thought that was so cool. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what she's got going on there, comic books or posters. Um, yeah, but then it made me think about 1989 and the Batman movie and where I was in my comics collecting. Um, 
I was never a huge Batman fan, just like everybody else in the world. I was definitely aware of Batman, certainly from the 66 show. uh, And just Batman was a cultural icon. So the fact that any comic book movie was being made was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I really liked Tim Burton's original Batman movie, but I I didn't like go out and immediately buy all Batman books. I was still buying X-Men for quite a while after that. I always felt like I was the only person collecting comics in high school too, but that's definitely not true. Uh, I'm sure. I mean, I, I also collected comic books, but I'm sure we were among the minority of people. I don't know. Were there any girls in our high school who collected comic books? Adam, if there were if there were girls collecting comic books in our high school that we knew about, we probably would have fought over her, and she wouldn't have <laughs> known, like she wouldn't have cared. She'd been like, "You guys are dorks, get away from me." But we still would have been like, "No, I'm gonna go read comic books with her." No, I'm going to. No, I don't. I mean, maybe there was, but if there was, we certainly didn't know uh, about her. I wonder how many. Like, I wonder if you take an average high school today, how many female comic readers there are. It's probably a lot. I would imagine it's it's more common. Oh yeah, I mean the yeah, it's I bet you it's way more common than it was back when we were reading comic books. I would almost, I could almost see it. I don't know this for a fact, but I could almost see it being an even split because I think there's yeah, a, there's way more quote unquote geek girls, or maybe maybe it's just out geek girls now than there ever were. Maybe but that's could that be. could just be a perception thing. And maybe there were always geek girls, but they were like, oh, people are going to make fun of me. I don't know. I have no idea. But yeah, that's cool. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks for listening, Abigail. Yeah. So if you want to contact us and and, and tell us your story about the X-Men or let us know what you think about uh, Marvel's introduction to of the X-Men into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, drop us a line at www.xmenpodcast.com. Facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Twitter us at Danger Room Go. You can email us, dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes, search up Danger Room. We're the first one that'll show up. You can call us, 501-GET-X-MEN, 501-438-9636. And you can go out to patreon.com forward slash Danger Room and give us a buck. (laughs) Our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. So, so before we dip into evolutionary war stuff, uh, let's let's quickly review Marvel Comics presents number eight. Just get that out of the way. Okay. Um, it was a pretty short one. Yep, as it usually is. Uh, basically, Tiger, Tiger, and Wolverine are invading Roche's territory, and. Uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. They're, 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 they're sneaking up. Wolverine's coming in through the front and tiger tiger is climbing up through the back. Is Wolverine wearing like a, like a weird domino mask? Okay. So this is his, this is his, this is the mask when he's in, in the Wolverine series, when he's not patch, he wears this costume with, I, and I, yeah, I think he's wearing something in front of his eyes. It's really weird. It's very weird because I don't know what it would translate to. It's like it's like a fishnet uh, Lone Ranger mask, but in some shots it has like weird um, flourishes coming off of it. So it's not like a straight up domino mask. 
I'm not sure what the intention here. I never have been sure what the intention is with this. <laughs> this 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 costume obviously did not last. I would say more than ten issues. So yeah, he gets into Roche's little castle thing or whatever, and Razor Fist is waiting for them, and they're about to fight. And Tiger Tiger gets uh, stopped by Roche's torture torture man whatever his name is i don't i don't remember so it looks like tiger tiger is going to get tortured uh she shoots sapphire sphinx before before she gets caught i got to be honest adam this story doesn't do much for me it is uh yeah it's 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 not the best and i'm wondering if it's just the format of trying to do like Eight pages every so often. Well, like, I don't know. I imagine this is issue eight. I, I imagine maybe every story arc is maybe 10 issues long. So, I don't know, eight times 10. So maybe you're looking at 80 pages, essentially. I don't know. I, 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 I'm sure somebody has. Have you ever read any of these Marvel Comics Presents stories start to finish of just Wolverine? I think I did with um, Weapon X. But that's that's very different, right? So it's very different. Uh, but was it re- was it repetitive? Because I feel like a lot of this is like, like I gotta tell you what happened last issue. In that, I think I had trouble figuring out where issues ended and began. So I think that was done all as one big story, and then they kind of may maybe went back in and added some sort of cliffhangerish type of stuff. Okay to make it feel like an ending. Whereas this, this feels like I wrote another eight pages. This is where I begin. This is where I end. And it kind of makes the flow, uh, not terrific. Yeah. So anyways, um, and yeah, I do, I do wonder, do you, if you read this whole thing from beginning to end, maybe it flows a lot better. Maybe I'll, maybe once it's over, I'll try and just read the whole thing. You, you do that <laughs> and report back to me. Okay. Alrighty. So X Factor, excuse me, X Factor annual number three is the first chapter of the evolutionary war. Um, to my opinion, only one important thing happens, but to get to that, I got to kind of set it up. And the setup is that there are these um, underground people. I think maybe they're they're related to the deviants. At least the deviants are mentioned, uh, but they're subterranean creatures. And this dude named Purge and some other guy—they're called purifiers. Uh, they are down in these tunnels and they, their job is to sterilize these subterranean characters. Uh, and they go to great lengths not to kill them, um, because the master doesn't want that. The master just wants them to be sterilized so that, that they're, they're worthless lives because they can't talk, they can't communicate. They seem to be more or less kind of ants, just kind of dwelling about subterraneanly. Uh, and so they're worthless. And the master just wants them to die, but he doesn't want them killed. Uh, and there's a lot of panels of them being sterilized, which is creepy. <laughs> it's a dark story of like this whole race being sterilized. But anyways, so yeah, they're they're just docilely going and doing whatever they're being told until at some point they they kind of rise up and surprise Purge and his buddy. And so 
they attack back. They're like, look, they're attacking us, so we got to attack them. I don't care if the master doesn't want them to die. We're going to attack them because they're attacking us. And there's like one special dude who's got an orange suit and he's got pinker skin than the rest of everybody. And when he goes down and screams, all of the telepaths on Earth hear his call. You have, I think, Emma Frost. You've got uh, Psylocke, uh, Artie, Dr. Druid, uh, Franklin, Phoenix, Caliban. I guess this is the high evolutionary. I'm opening it up now. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you had it open. I, I'm pretty sure it's the high evolutionary. And then last but not least, Jean Grey screams out and goes unconscious. So the, you know, she lost her tel, tele, tele, telepathic powers and it seems like there might be an echo of her telepathic powers being displayed here. Yes, I think you were right on all of those counts. Uh, and so, whatever. They they go to the subterranean place to figure out what's going on. Uh, Apocalypse is here. He catches wind of what's going on. And he's like, oh, we should, those subterranean people, I've lived a long time and I've seen species rise and fall. They should be given the chance. Like... The weak are going to die out regardless of what you do. So he and the high evolutionary have kind of this theoretical conversation as they kind of observe uh, the X factor guys protecting them, the subterranean characters from the purifiers. And eventually they, they figure out that uh, this orange guy is like a mutant subterranean dude uh, and has the ability to evolve and to learn and eventually develops, I think, some strategy and some communication skills. And then Apocalypse is like, huh, how interesting. Uh, without you, High Evolutionary, trying to wipe them out, they wouldn't have evolved. So maybe you have done a good thing here. And he takes off. And High Evolutionary is like, huh, maybe he's right. Well, I've sterilized a lot of these people. Not all of them. I'll give him a shot. I have other plans. <laughs> and he knew that's more or less what what happens in the issue they do make reference to um grotesque who they fought subterraneanly when they were kids but he's not in the issue i can't even i did we cover that yeah it's like issue 42 of the x-men oh okay it's super old uh <laughs> And continuity wise it doesn't really make sense because the last time we saw beast he was in bed well, remember, this probably came out a couple months ago. Although, yeah, I guess. From where we are. Uh, this could have taken place prior. It's It definitely takes place after, I don't know, it's really difficult to figure it out, but it's very close to when Beast is, is hospitalized because ship is ship, ship is flying over the ocean, ship is talking. Um, I think it's before, um, what's her name, Infectia. Infectia. It could be, but... Like, the ship becomes cog cognizant, and Infectious is like, ooh, I want that ship. So, I don't know. I guess. I don't care. The backup story is uh, the kids are upset because they're about to be sent to a boarding school, and they're not going to have the ability to practice their powers, so they start practicing their powers. When they run into Beast, who's reminiscing over some photo albums, and the ship... Uh, and Artie go through kind of a history of the X-Men, uh, X-Factor, etc. Basically giving us, it's a backup story, but it kind of, like if you're new to X-Factor and the X-Men, this is actually kind of a nice, like, hey, here's all the stuff you've missed. 
Yep. But nothing nothing of real consequence uh, occurs, except for the very end, the very end when the uh, photo album is left on the ground, it says, an unabashed plug coming in July, exterminators. The X-Factor kids attend school till something much worse comes along. What? And we'll be covering exterminators to a small degree, but covering them nonetheless. Someday. Yeah, so there you go. So the Evolutionary War, um, as far as I can tell, the High Evolutionary wants to change all of humans to to evolve. He wants uh, as, he wants to turn them in, not the master race, because I don't want to use that sort of a connotation, but he wants uh, the humans to be the superior race among all? Uh, he wants to raise them to the level of gods, sort right, of. Right, right, right. Because like what happens was he he met these people called the Beyonders, and this is all in the backstories. There, there's 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 two twelve or two eleven part stories here. In the first part, you get uh, the stories that we've been covering, and then the, the the second one you get the backstory of the evolution, uh, the high evolutionary, and in that one you get to see all the stuff like when uh, Magneto Magneto's wife came to. Wondagore Mountain and had Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. So all that stuff gets recapped. Anything that the High Evolutionary has ever had anything to do with gets recapped in that story. Uh, oh, I had a question and I forgot it. Was it about Bova the, the cow? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I, I remember that story. Because she's in it. Um, oh, the Beyonders. Uh, the Beyonders. Beyonders? Beyonders? Or the no. different Beyonders? There's Beyonders and then there's Beyonder, and that's two different groups. Okay. Well, uh, Beyonder's just a person, although eventually we learn what he is, which I think I covered before, that he ends up, he's just a portion of a cosmic cube. Oh. Anyway, I, I think I covered that in a previous episode, or I tried to, and it probably didn't make any sense. It probably still doesn't make any sense. Anyway, every time one of these uh uh, uh, annual starts the high evolutionary has a plan and then every time a new one starts his plan has slightly shifted ultimately the overall plan though is to evolve human beings to his level and beyond and uh, so Punisher annual one he decides to start wiping out drug lords for some reason the Punisher gets involved in that and Silver Surfer annual one he convinces the Eternals to kidnap Silver Surfer and so that he can study Silver Surfer because he might be what he wants. Silver Surfer might be what humans evolved to. to. Um, we covered New Mutants Annual 4, Fantastic Four Annual 21. Uh, we get uh, Crystal goes back to the Inhumans. She's currently a member of the Fantastic Four, but they call her back. And uh, Quicksilver also goes back to the Inhumans and he stops being a bad guy and becomes a good guy again. And Crystal and Quicksilver aren't really quite back together, but they're going to try to work out their differences, sort of. Amazing Spider-Man Annual 22 has something to do with the drugs again. Uh, I can't remember. We just covered X-Men Annual 12. Web of Spider-Man Annual 11. I think that featured Man-Thing. West Coast Avengers Annual 3 um, featured Goliath. <laughs> okay. 
I barely remember these. I read them so long ago. The Spectacular Spider-Man Annual Eight was interesting because it turns out that the uh, if you've been if you've been reading any Spider-Man, you know that there's a clone of Gwen Stacy running around the Spider-Man universe. Well, it turns out because the High Evolutionary wants to study the clone, it turns out that it's not actually a clone. It was just another woman whose mind was erased and who was made to look like Gwen Stacy and think she's Gwen Stacy. So she gets turned back into her normal self at the end of that one. So that was kind of nice. Yeah. And then in Avengers Annual 17, it ends. And um, the by now we know that the High Evolutionary is creating a bomb to go off. And uh, a, a ragtag team of former Avengers gets together to stop him, including Blue Beast, who, spoilers, I we now know that he's going to be okay. <laughs> spoilers. Yeah, so I probably should have spoiled said spoilers before I said that. And also there's one more um which isn't really part of the main list, but I remember this because I had it. I tried to find it and I couldn't find it. Remember how uh Marvel had an Elf comic book? Yeah, I saw Elf Annual number 1 was a official evolutionary war tie-in. Yeah. And I had it. And, uh, but I, I found it online. So basically the high evolutionary visits elf. Oh, okay. The synopsis I read didn't talk about anything. <laughs> uh, it just said like elf does the thing with a cat, but there's no, no talk of the high evolutionary in the elf comic. I'll send this to you. It's basically, it's like a one page comic and, uh, or no, it's like two pages, but it's all online. So I was able to find it. So the high evolutionary visits Elf to make sure that he doesn't, he doesn't, um, he's not going to interfere with humans <laughs> oh. and their, uh, and their growth. Hear me, Mel, hear me, Mel Mackian. Do not interfere with human development. Is that clear? No problem. I don't even have a, my real estate license. <laughs> and then, um. The High Evolutionary leaves and says, I will erase your memory of this ever happening. And Elf wakes up and he's like, holy Hannah and her sisters. What a nightmare. That's the last time I read 11 Marvel annuals before I go to bed. Ha! Ha! <laughs> Willie, where's the cat? And I used to have this. I wish I could find it, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, there's also um, what if number one? Or I guess there's been many what if number ones, but what if the Avengers lost the evolutionary war? I don't know how that turned out, but I was also doing a little bit of research to be like, what, what was the evolutionary war all about and what did it consist of issue wise? I found that same list probably. All right. Anything else on uh, the awesomeness that is the evolutionary war? Lord, no. All right. Uh, it's time to put this one to bed, Adam. I remembered what the great Gatsby said. It was old sport. He was always like, hey, old sport. So I'm going to say, okay, old sport. <laughs> yeah, that's. I guess that's probably more palatable than me calling everybody darling. I feel like that was an Andy Warhol thing. Didn't Andy Warhol used to call everybody darling? Probably, but I bet you he, he, he is, uh, I bet you he was more, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, gender non-binary or gender fluid. Like, I find everybody attractive. I feel like that's kind of his character. 
Wait, are we talking about the Major Domo or Andy Warhol? Andy Warhol. But Major oh, Domo okay. worked in the same vein. Yeah, I agree. So. <laughs> uh, anyhow, with all of that out of the way, uh, my name is Jeremy. My name is Ha! And until next time, the Danger Room is closed.